Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running Shadow Dark by Arcane Library using the Curse Scroll 1 setting of the gloaming. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all kinds of GM tools to help them run their games, the, a dedicated Discord server, the monthly Patreon Q&A, whole bunch of different exclusive adventures lots and lots of tools to help you run your game it's a really really good deal you get a whole ton of stuff for joining you get new stuff pretty much every month and you help me put on shows like this to the patrons of sly flourish thank you so much for your outstanding support my game has transitioned a little bit not in its theme but in how we play we had been playing primarily remote up to this point ever since covid started and what we discovered, a friend of mine has been hosting it at his house and said, you know, we more and more people have been going over. And I was always worried that if I played in person, that the one we have one person who moved to another state. So they cannot they physically cannot join the game. They can't join the game physically. And so we just kind of stayed remote because I was like, well, I, it's probably easier for it to stay remote when we have one remote person than otherwise. But my players have been very eager to play in person again. And so they've started to host at my friend's house and I started going over there and I remote friend, do you still feel like included? Do you still, are you still getting everything? And he said, no, no, this is great. He says, he's been very happy with it. So we put like a big speaker in the center of the table and it's got a big microphone so he can hear all of us playing. And that has actually worked out pretty well. And we've even done it where a couple people ran remote, like somebody wasn't feeling well or something else and they could play remotely while the rest of us would have been playing at my friend's place. So I've been transitioning to that. That also means I've been kind of slowly transitioning away from digital tools and going back to physical tools. And it's been really fun to play Shadow Dark with physical tools. I get to use my little GM screen. I get to use the physical book at the table. Last week I used a Paizo, my favorite all-time, one of my all-time favorite GM accessories, the Paizo flip mat, the Paizo basic flip mat fantastic accessory i've been using it for like 20 years and i love it and i use that and the funny and so i've been drawing the map out on the table and then asking one of my players to take pictures and send pictures to discord regularly so that the player who's playing remote can still see pictures of what's going on but we're still playing pretty heavily theater of the mind uh, i haven't really been worrying about setting up maps and miniatures i'm not bringing miniatures with me i kind of enjoy theater of the mind play with drawing you know, high level maps out on a dry erase flip mat. Um, that, that has worked well. The, the great fun was when uh, they were getting attacked by two gray oozes and I drew just like a, a little blob and then I drew like, and then I said, you know, take, make sure to take a picture and send this to, to, to Pat so he can see it. And, uh, and I said, like, I don't want him to miss the fine tabletop array that we're using today. And he's like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm there. And it was like a, a circle with the black circle on a thing. So that was kind of funny. But that actually worked pretty well. And I think I'm going to double down on that a little more. One thing I've been enjoying, I've been doing this now for my Empire of the Ghouls game, which has also been in person. And I did it last night for my Shadowed Keep on the Borderlands game is I've been using physical notes and I bought myself. Like I was like, oh, you know, I kind of want to have like a physical binder again. Like one, one interesting thing is like, so I have the Lazy DMs Companion, the Lazy DMs Workbook and Forge of Foes. And I was like, there are some pages from those books that I use all the time. And there's some pages in those books that I don't use very often. I have like a loose leaf binder where I either print or I tear out those pages. I have like proof copies that are totally borked up. And so I can tear my own pages on my own book and uh, put it in a notebook and I did I bought like a three ring binder and look I went on Amazon and bought D&D stickers because I was like I want to pretend I'm 14 years old again and so I've loaded up my binder with with stickers 
and I put in, it's like a, th- it's got these like plastic rings. You can pick it up for like 10 bucks. And I put in uh, sheets that I had where I can slip printed sheets in there so I can have like maps in it and I can have my game notes in it. Where are my game notes? So I can print out my game notes and stick that in there and maps. I can just draw the maps and I can, you can't really see. I can draw, ma- I can take Dyson maps, print them and then write on my own things on them. And that's actually been a, a fun way to play. And then I have sheets like my 1D100 monuments, which just came out. You can't see that either. My 1D100 monuments, which just came out on for Sly Flourish patrons. I made my own sheet of stat blocks from Forge of Foes. So I have like, you know, CR0 to CR30 stat blocks and tiny little blocks, a little bit bigger. So like I have the list too, but the list can be a little harder to read. I want a great big text where I can basically like circle it and I know exactly what stat block and that way I can reference it very quickly at the table. So I made that. I put that up for patrons. I am using the GM screen printouts uh, that Elizabeth made that are available to patrons as well, or you can get a discount for patrons. It's also available on DriveThruRPG. And then I, a bunch of pages that I tore out of the workbook and a bunch of pages that I tore out of the companion and one page out of Forge of Foes uh, to make like a reference book. So it's been very cool to make like my own little GM floppy thing. I've got like my little pen case. I really want Velcro so it would sound like a Trapper Keeper, but I can't find any Velcro. So that's been fun. And that has been a change for how I've been playing Shadow Dark. Like I think what I'm going to do today is I'm going to write out my notes today in Notion, and then I'm going to format it in Word and print it out so I have a single-page printout. The one thing I haven't figured out yet is how to take notes in it, because I'm putting laminated, not laminated, but like slip sheets where I slip paper inside the sheet, the three-ring sheet, uh, which is really cool because you, you can use a dry erase marker right on the sheet, and that's really cool. But uh, I don't have a good way to take notes in it, and I don't know if I'm going to buy like a small like field notes notebook and slide it in there, and that's where I keep my notes. I don't know. I, I, want, I want something fun for i want something fun for keeping track of notes that feels again like like we used to do in the olden days and i don't have a fantastic way to do it yet so i'm still noodling through that but maybe when i come to a thing you know that works well i will do so of course i have piles of three by five cards in there because three by five cards are great so so that's been lots of fun uh anyway that's been a big change in how my game has been running physically but as far as the game and how we've been playing it the characters we started off with them seeing like a great big beam of light shining down a bad a bad beam like a they, they realized that wow like almazots the, the the planet eater is on the way and they are headed to Oh, this is so much fun. So they're taking a, a wilderland journey, like a journey across the, the, the forest to go to red, the Redthorn camp. The Redthorns are f- like either followers or ex-followers of the Knights of St. Yidris. And they've been conducting some terrible ceremony at this hill. And the characters are making their co- the, the, the Redthorn Hill. And there's a great big marrow tree on the top of the hill that has grown down deep. It's funny because I'm running two games in two days that both have a great big tree that leads down to a dungeon below. But, you know, luckily none of my players overlap, so I'm the only one that knows. And you guys, and you find you find folks. So so the characters are going to make their way to this big... They, they made their way through the woods to this big tree. Along the way, they encountered Marrow, or the the uh, the, the dragon that is now a Mugdalblub dragon. 
the Mugdoblob dragon is Raredin Varrosbane, the draconic chosen of Mugdoblob. This is a dragon that had killed one of the characters, but in so in killing the character had also been uh, inflicted with Mugdoblob's curse. And while the characters are busy trying to get the cure to the curse, the dragon succumbed to it. I rolled randomly to see how much, how affected was the dragon, and it was very affected. So when they came back, they saw, oh, wow, all of its scales fell off. There's a great big pile of slime, and the dragon is gone. So they're like, we don't know what the hell happened. Well, now they've seen it, this big flying slime dragon flying in the sky. And they realized, wait a minute, they could just hide. And they thought about that. But then they're like, what if we could lead it over to the hill and have it somehow... Like, you know, can we bait it to go attack the hill? And then we don't have to deal with any of the jackasses on the hill. And they're like, yeah, so let's try it. So they had two characters that both cast flying. They flew with different sort of sort of things. And they flew up and then had to distract it. Now, the dragon flies faster than they did. So they had to, like, bounce it back and forth while they were racing towards the hill. Then when they got to the hill, there were a bunch of marrow wolves. Marrow wolves are, like, big wolves that either have con- that been transformed by... By, by the world of Marrow or and, and Undaluk and Almazats, these, these world-devouring creatures, or they came from there. But they are like genetically built to be angry with Mugdoblob because they were weapons against Mugdoblob, which is probably a good secret for today. So the characters, so, so they, the, as soon as the dragons saw the, the Marrow th- things and the Marrow stuff saw the dragons, they all went crazy. And, and the characters like flew away and they're like, we don't know what happened. We'll, we'll, we'll go there. We'll just let them enjoy themselves and we'll come back later. So then they joined the rest of the group. The group made its way there and they found that everybody was wiped out on the hill, that there were all of these like cultists of Marrow that were dead who were followers of Greaves Redthorn they um they did find there was like a sealed chamber that still had like a knight a marrow knight in it and and they talked to two bandits one of whom turned into a gray ooze and then another one turned into a gray ooze and then they fought a couple of gray oozes but in the meantime it was all just devastation around the area and like these big blasts of slime dripping off of trees and everything like that but then they found the trap door that leads to the chambers below they know the dragon did not make it to the chambers below so it worked out really well that they got a chance to clear out the whole hill but there's still a big challenge of them going down into the depths below where the ceremonies are going on to basically call Undaluk to the world and that is where that is what today's game is about is uh the summoning of Undaluk so we're gonna use we're using notion for our campaign planning as we have thus far we're gonna generate a new session planning template and if you want to learn more about using notion for your rpgs you can find a link into the show notes Lately, I will admit, I've been using Obsidian a lot for my other campaigns, but because I've already been doing this campaign here and because it's easier for me to show it online and uh, share it easily, uh, I'm still using Notion for this stuff. I've actually been bouncing back and forth, even to the point where I write my stuff in Obsidian and then copy and paste it over to Notion. It's real, you know, complicated. I don't know what I'm going to do. When I start a new campaign, I'm going to think hard about switching over and using Obsidian for um, whatever the next campaign is, but I've been enjoying Notion thus far. Uh, and Notion still works really well. So let's see, 18 Feb 2024, The Gloaming. So we're going to take a look at our characters today. Uh, nobody, d- I think they expected, was it last week or the week before where they expected lots of deaths and nobody died? So they, I think they've got, we've gotten through a couple sessions now with no deaths, uh, which has been pretty, which has been pretty interesting. Uh, so characters, we have Morgan Nightweaver, a zealot elf warlock, a follower of Shun the Vile, probably uh, their mother uh, was Gwendolyn who may be actually directly related to Shun the Vile, uh, who is not, you know, the, Shun the Vile doesn't refer to themselves as Vile. Uh, and they have a, uh, this is a little note I should, I should put in here, carries the obsidian witch knife 
which can sever through worlds. We're still figuring out exactly how that works. And it's definitely dangerous, so they haven't used it really. But there's a risk about using the witch knife. Like, you know, she's not as proficient with it as like her mother was. And her mother could slice it and know where she was going, generally speaking. Uh, but there's this big risk of like if they open it and use it and end up in another world, what happens? And what happens to the door behind them? And it's dangerous. We have Dazder, a human witch shaman who carries the remnant of Memnon. This is Jay's third character. I, I'm surprised he's only the last two characters. Calum, the elf wizard. Lauren, the goblin scout leader. Yeralt, Yeralt of the Riviera. The G is silent, a former knight of St. Yidris. And Tribble, uh, the halfling burglar of, of lawful alignment and who is a huge fan of the characters. So those are the characters today. And we begin our, we have the glorious dead. I don't think anybody's died. The last one was Dart who got shot through the head uh, and turned to ash by a lightning trap in Kytheris's shrine. That was sad. I felt bad for Dart. And we have our strong start today. So they are, they are down in the depths below. Uh, we can pull up our map. So I'm showing the map in Albert Rodeo, but actually I think I'm going to print the map out. Uh, in fact, let me see. Let's, let's go to my locations here. The roots of the roots of the marrow tree. So we're going to open this view original and I'm going to save this to my desktop. I actually, I think I, I, I already have a printout of this, but what the hell I'll print it out again. Paper, paper and ink are cheap. I'll print that out of my printer. I think we're going to do this. It's going to be kind of boring for the video, but I'll talk about it anyway on how I've been lately working with maps. So we're going to do that. Can you hear my printer in the background? I don't know if you can hear my printer in the background. So let's see. So they're down. Let's think about what's going on in here. What's the situation? This is really useful where we think about what the situation is going on. So uh, Reeves Redthorn, a former member of the Knights of St. Idris and his followers are down there in some kind of terrible ceremony to call Undaluk. I think the wolves, I think the strong star be the wolves, Marrow, Howl. And in our secrets and clues, we can say Greaves, Redthorn, and his, and the follower, and the cult, we're going to say the cult, the cult of Marrow are summoning Undaluk. No, uh, yeah, Undaluk, the caller of Almazats, the planet eater into the world. So that's the situation that's going on. Some followers, some of Greaves' followers, some of Greaves' followers aren't on board with the whole end of the world thing. Others have fully embraced the fate of the gloaming. Others still have given themselves physically to the world of Marrow. All of the followers, I'm, this is going to be a shadow dark cheat which is all of the followers have some, all of the followers in the, uh, the roots of the marrow tree have some marrow stuff in them, enough to let them see in the dark. Thus, torchlight still matters, even though there's a bunch of human folk down there. I know it's kind of a cheat, but I think it fits the shadow dark style, which is like, hey, your enemies can see in the dark. You're just hosed. Scenes, I kind of don't need to worry. I guess on the scene side, what I'm going to worry about is what happens when they're done with this. So the main thing is crawling through the, the roots of the marrow tree. But then the question is like, what's next? And what's next is probably, I, I mean, I think it's kind of falling relatively linear now, which is travel to the old well. Another one could be turn the blade, turn the, the remains of the green knights to their 
their place, which is called what? The Meyer Castle Ruins. They could journey to Haldren's Tower, but that's kind of a dead end. So I'm pro- I think I want to steer them away from traveling to Haldren's Tower because they're going to get there and they can't get inside because Haldren's not there and the whole place is sealed up. And it's probably, you know, I think it's, you know, oh, this is a good secret. I think Haldren's Tower, let's see, bans followers of Mugdalblub have gone to Haldren's Tower. Oh, they could return to Wardenwood and save the remaining people. It's been a long time since they've been there, though. And I think we, we already determined that a significant amount of people, probably, you know, three-fourths of the people have succumbed to Mugdalblub stuff. The remaining have gone to a camp, gone to a camp nearby. I guess that's a secret, right? Only one out of four of people in Wardenwood haven't succumbed to the curse of Mugdalblub. They now camp. And where? They probably camp in a particular location. Let's get my keyed map. So Wardenwood is, I think, 307. 108 looks good. Where's What's going on at 108? The Mossy Menrers. That, they, that was where they found a big sinkhole. And the sinkhole led to the sinkhole led to the goblin village. So maybe maybe that's where uh, they're probably hanging out. The mossy men 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 menhirs menhirs menhirs. I don't know how you pronounce that. So I think that that's good. So they could return to Wardenwood and figure that out. Uh, I think that would be fine. Uh, any other locations? Oh, they could confront the Knights of Saint Idris at the Greywall Priory. I think one thing is that the knights hunt for the remaining follower, uh, for the, uh, the remaining village folk to purge them of the evil within. Uh, I think that that, that that could put a little bit of urgency on the characters going back to Wardenwood to try to save who remains. I think that that, that could be useful. And that could be a, a, a next step. So that, that feels like they've got a few different good next steps. They seem to have passed on Titania and her quests to go recover various artifacts in order to get tr- you know safe travel to the realm of the Fae. They've passed on that. So that's fine. We're going we're gonna to kind of ignore that as, a, as an option. Uh, let's just go through our list of locations in the gloaming and see are there any other locations that we, that we wanted. Shattered Towers, where they started. Drizilla's hut they dealt with. The Mossy Menrys were talked about. Markerstone, they seem to have ignored the Markerstone the whole time. Troll Cave turned out to go down to the Goblin Town. Uh, they were happy with that. Wardenwood, uh, they've been to. Outlaw Camp. Uh, they're going to now. Bittermold Keep, they've been to. A crazy un- Uncle Grigor is in 710. Uh, so he's near the bandit camp. So, yeah, I think that, you know, that might be a fun location along the way. We'll have a secret or clue that crazy Uncle Grigor lives in a hut to the southeast. He seems to have avoided all the troubles going on in the land. He gives safe shelter to travelers. That's a nice secret. So they could go visit him. I think he'd be a fun NPC, he, a good purveyor of secrets and clues. The idea. So Fendemir Lake now is drained. So I think that, that he would know stuff going on there. The Stone Circle 807 is a stone circle to Kytheros. That might be kind of an interesting thing. Haldren's Tower, of course, we're going to have. The Barrow Mounds is 910. Where is that? 
I don't know. I don't know if we'll do anything with the Barrel Mounds or not. Mushroom Grove, 1002, that's to the north, and that's probably where Titania is hanging out. So we could have a Titania now resides in the Mushroom Grove to the northeast of Fenimir Lake. So we have that. The Bone Cave, I think that was where we were going to have, that's where we were going to have the summoning of Undaluk, but I think we're going to do that elsewhere. So I don't know that we're going to worry about the bone, the bone Cave. Marin's Hold is where the superstitious fisher folk burned Morgan's mother alive, or burned Morgan's mother. So that's not a great place. Uh, Boot Hill is where that occurred at 1205. Uh, the Orc Village uh, is 2010. Yeah, we could see about that. The Meyer Castle ruins in 308. Uh, the ancient cairn. So there's a few a few places that we could still have. Grey Royal Priory. Uh, the Wolf Cave is where the where Almazatz was going to be. Yeah, we have a cultist camp, 1504. I don't know how I don't know if we're going to get all that far out. Corrupted Henge, and then the Vile Well, 1607, far to the east. So that's you know that that's kind of where the then that's sort of a major a major place. So. I think that's going to be their journey. Pro well, we'll see. We'll see where they go. But yeah, I feel like, you know, okay, that's that's probably enough like locations to worry about. I mean, I was just going through the list to see if there's any that jump out at me. It's like, oh, I definitely want to have something there. And and we can we can wing we can wing most of that. So and this is like and boy, we're talking now now we're over doing it, right? We're talking about things that they're gonna do far later. But we are talking about like, okay, we know where they are now. We know what hex they're in. What's in the hexes? One hex out. Now, of course, we're talking many hexes to these, but we're talking about like, what are the locations that they could go to uh, after after this? Uh, so what other secrets could they learn, particular things that they would learn down in down in the marrow, the marrow tree? Undaluk and the Cultus of Marrow. Well, Undaluk and the, and the World of Marrow. Well, yeah, were created by Kytheros specifically to rid the world, the, the, the worlds of Mugnoblub. Every cell in their bodies hates the Slime Lord. Two, four, six, eight, nine. Uh, one more secret that we need. Is there any other final secret that we want for our, our game today? Any, anything else that they could learn? Well, I think we still have the same one, which is that the Knights of St. Yudrith, of St. Yudris, trapped... Cauldron in the vile well far to the east where the sorcerer hunted for some powerful artifact. No doubt the horrors within have devoured the foolish sorcerer. So that's a good secret. That's, that's a big one. Fantastic locations. We tend not to really have to worry about. We, you know, they're all basically in the book and the one location that we're doing. So I'm probably going to just delete that step because I already know it. I mean, the, the, the big one is obviously the uh, the tree, right? Uh, roots. The roots of the marrow tree. But we don't really need it in my list because I know it. Like, I'm I'm there already, right? I'm going to be working on a whole map. So we're, we're going to do the map in a second uh, when I finish the rest of this. So NPCs that they could run into. Uh, so we have Greaves Redthorn, certainly. I'm probably going to use some, I guess there's some random names. Let's see. Let's pull out, let's pull out a few random names here and just have them handy. Is there a list of character names? There we go. So one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six. So there are six different, where's my dice? Oh, I packed them up because I'm going to my plate. I'll get my dice out of here. We have six different types of people. 
So let's do like four four NPCs. Uh, I think there's, is there an NPC generator? Let's see. I think there is. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like you, you roll, oh look, you'd roll a D12. So that it has a little bit of, okay. So we'll, we'll come to names in a second. Uh, so ancestry, we have a human and an elf. Uh, so let's make some, and then we're going to roll two more, nine and seven, a halfling and a dwarf. Hey, look at that. Perfect. Human, elf, halfling, and dwarf. And we are not going to worry about age. We're not going to worry about alignment. We're not going to worry about wealth. We'll do some NPC qualities. So let me grab a handful of D20s. And this is for the human is a nine, a six, and a 19. Nine, scar on a face, six, writes in a diary. That's great. Scar on face, writes in a diary, and 19 is a retired crawler. Cool. Then we do our elf. 15, 16, and 3, 15, tattooed, 16, twitches, and 3, obsessed with fire. <laughs> cool. 18, 11, and 19. 18, six fingers, 9, no, 19, swaggers, six fingers, swaggers, and 11, in deep gambling debt. What was it? 18, six fingers, swaggers, gambling debt. And the dwarf. 20, 19, and 6. 20, large nose, 19, swaggers, and six was a wizard's apprentice. Ooh, large nose, swaggers. Uh. All right, so we got those. Do we need more stuff for these? They have like occupations. We're not going to worry about that. So the one that was a former crawler, this could be kind of fun. Uh, the former crawler was the Savage Skulls, member of the Savage Skulls, who are known for setting taverns on fire. That's fun. So we have like a, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that handy for our NPC stuff. I think that's probably, ah, so we have our NPC names. Look at this. This is handy. Uh, so our human, I wonder, I, I presume these names are different than the character names. I hope so. Uh, Teo, the dwarf, let's see, I just roll, right? Bang. We have a dwarf and an elf and a halfling. The dwarf is Orgo. The elf is Orgo and Alindria. Whoops. And the halfling is... Nine, uh, was that 15? Uh, Fern. I like to give them last names and you could use, you could use the party names, but maybe they just don't have, maybe they just don't have surnames. That's probably fine. Uh, so that gives us a handful of NPCs who, for the characters to kind of meet. I don't know when and where I'm going to use those NPCs, but I now have them, I now have them ready. Monsters is a good question because the, the, the area is not your standard place. Like we've we've had uh, we've had the Greaves Redthorn here before, so uh, we're going to make a random list of six different kinds of creatures, and that's what we're generally going to roll on. And some of these encounters might be specific, and then some of them we're going to roll on. Uh, but we could have Marrow Knight, and let's see, let's go to my monsters, and I guess there'll be bandits, right? But they're not really bandits, they're conscripts, right? And arrow conscripts. We'll say one to two, one to two marrow knights and one D four conscripts or two D three. So two D three conscripts. I know I'm using like weird ass dice, but that would be a maximum of six and a minimum of two with an average of what is the average on that is one and a half. What's the average of a D3? I don't know. Two? I guess it's two. So the average would be four. 
I know it sounds weird, but it, it, it gives a, a bound that I prefer because like you don't want one conscript and you don't want 10 conscripts. So uh, we'll do 1d4 marrow wolves. Uh, we'll do 1 to 2 marrow dire wolves. Those things are nasty. What other kinds of critters might they run into here? Uh, there could be, let's, let's, let's look through the, the monster, the monsters list and think about what, are there any other like non-sentient monsters that would make, that would make sense for this place? We have cultists in here. So not angels, animated armor, none of those. Oh, uh, we could have 1d4 believer conscripts. Uh, this random list too is, you can use it as a random list or you can just kind of pick, you know, depending on what kind of makes sense. Any other... We could have a bat swarm. Yeah, bat swarm might be good. Uh, kind of a typical thing you might run into. A cave creeper. Marrow cave creepers. I like that. Marrow summoned cave creeper and 1d4 centipedes. That's fun. Uh, we could do 1d4 cultists. Marrow cultists. True believers. No demons, no devils, no dinosaurs, no dragons. No drow. Like like one more thing they could run into. Gibbering mouther. I don't think that's native to. I'm trying to think of creatures that would make sense, like being connected to the world of marrow. Grix would be. D two Grix. Uh, we'll do a quick just a, for funsies. Just kind of do a bigger scan and make sure there's not anything else I want to throw in here. But th those feel good to me. Knight in black and armor, riddled with cruel barbs. A reaver. I like that. The reaver would be a great stat for uh, Greaves. And the reaver is on page uh, 247. I like that. The roper might be kind of neat. Uh, they got like snake people. That's cool. Yep, that feels right. Uh, treasure we're going to roll. So I got a D8 table for monsters if I want to, you know, if I want to whip them out. Uh, treasure we're going to roll on. Session notes are going to be handwritten. So I'm actually going to convert my checklist here to just normal list because that, that goes better when I throw it into Word. Whoops. Um, and characters I can pull off. I should, you know, I'll take that back. I'm going to make a list of characters. And now I totally remember who they are because oh, I'm terrible. The list of characters are really useful because you can use it for like initiative and everything else. So Morgan, Dazder, Kalim. Lauren Uralt Tribble. There. So that is pretty good. Um, so you can see like a really clean list of stuff. So I'm going to select this now. And I'm going to go into Word. Good old Microsoft Word. Blank document. Layout. We're going to do margins narrow. Columns two. We paste our stuff in there. And then we select it all. And we turn all of the text into times four. And uh, it actually all fits on one page. So we are going to print that. Print. Uh, if you want to see what it looks like, because you can't see it, those of you watching, let's print it to PDF. Open and preview. And that is what our notes look like. You know, so we have one page of notes that we can just throw in our, throw in my, my trapper keeper, right? Th throw it into this guy and I'm ready. So one last thing we want to do Hang on, I'll be right back. So I've got my printout with my notes for today's game. Uh, I'm going to put that in my in my cool Trapper Keeper, my D&D Trapper Keeper, which isn't really a Trapper Keeper. And I've got my map, right? So I printed a copy of the map out. And what I'm going to do now, 
and we can kind of follow. It's going to be a little hard to follow along at home, but let's see. I can at least pull the map up, and you can. I will. I will try to describe which room I am talking about. I'll actually move it to my other window here. Whoops. Yeah. So that's so that's the map. So the characters start right in the center, and what I'm going to do. I've got ten minutes. Can I fill out this map with stuff in ten minutes? So right off the bat, so so oh, that we we decided last time that this is actually an elven former elven citadel, and I think they actually made it into the first chamber. So we're gonna have elf statues in that first chamber. Then we decided that the portal chamber. Oh, let's see how are we gonna work this out. So the portal chamber is gonna be directly to the west, and the portal is currently dormant, but Greaves and his acolytes are in the process of activating the second portal. Which one, and, and one of them is already, or they're in the process of activating the portals. And uh, we will randomly determine, is Greaves doing the north portal or the south portal? Uh, he is doing the south portal. So this is the um, southern portal key and northern portal key. Uh, he went to the south. Let's see. So we have some acolyte barracks. We have somewhere there's got to be a wolf's den. Where will we put the wolves' den? I think we'll put the wolves' den in the southwest corner. We'll have the wolf caretake elven murals. These are all kind of different, you know, one-line descriptions of what's in these various chambers. Uh, and then I'm going to take, when I'm done, I'm going to take a picture of this and I'll show it to you guys. So what's that far southeastern room that's connected to the southern portal key? Destroyed elven tomb? There could be like an elven ghost in there. That might be kind of cool. And then we have the, so next to the wolves' den, I've got a chamber. What would be in there? Devoured, devoured corpses. That sounds grody. Then just to the north of the portal chamber is a, is a room. A couple of rooms. What could we put in there? They could be like elven statues. So what were they before? This is that room directly on, uh, I can't, I can't show it. On the northwest side of the map, one notch down is that you know it's square on the bottom and rough up top and what is that what, what can we put in that chamber and then what is that long there's a great big long the wilds right so these could be like the the bestial dens and we have a forgotten treasury which is the far the furthest room in the northwest but you have to get through the bestial dens to get there and it's super dangerous so i just got a handful of chambers to the north here what can i put in there so these these could be either cha elven chambers. We can we can think about them from the point of view of what were they to the elves, and then how are they being used by the Marrow cultists now? So we could have let's see, because a lot of the northern chambers are sort of like natural natural stone. I can't just keep doing elven murals everywhere. Only three rooms to go. Uh, so if this was an elven temple before, uh, so I guess portraits of elven gods. And they might have the three portraits of like the three gods, Almazat or of Kytheros and Shun and maybe St. Cuthbert would be another one. That might be kind of, or not St. Cuthbert, St. Uh, St. Yidris might be another interesting one. The arcane barracks are connected to a chamber. This is near the, 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 the portal room. We could have what would be like a meeting hall preparation chamber. And then there's that, they're going to have to go through it. That great big Northern chamber, Wolf Guards. 
So that's pretty good. And I might get better ideas when it actually comes closer to running the game. So what I'm going to do now, so I've got that handwritten. So that's ready to go with my notes. But I'm going to take a picture just so I can show you guys what I'm talking about. So we go bang. So I got a nice JPEG. And we're going to airdrop this thing to my MacBook. And there's my handwritten map, right? So starting where the characters are going to be, let's see, we'll zoom in this a little bit so you can kind of read it. Uh, they come in, they come to some elf statues. If they go to the southwest, they, they see elven murals. The southern portal key is to the west. So what are the portal keys? The idea is that in order to open the portal to Marrow, the the former Knights of St. Andrews, Grease Redthorn and Company, have been are working together, channeling energy into these two keys to try to get the portal open. In order to close the portal... They have to they have to destroy both keys like the which would, I think will be these like elven crystalline orbs that have been sort of changed and mutated to draw in the world of marrow and the portal is just open so the characters have to go and destroy both of these things to close the portal. And just as they destroy the second one of them is when Almazats or when when Underluck actually steps through. They have to kill Underluck to close the portal completely. So the chain of events could be they can go to the north or go to the south. The portal chamber probably will have a couple of you know cult type people maintaining the portal, which is mostly open. When they get to the second one is when it is fully open. Let's see. Do we is the idea that we want them to have to go to both portal chambers, destroy the things before they can go to the other one? I think the answer is yes, which means they'll have to go through the portal chamber at least once before it's fully open, maybe twice. I think that will work out, right? So the idea is whichever direction they go, both so the 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 the, the cult of marrow is activating both keys when the characters get there. By the time they get to the first one, the second key will have worked. They then have to go to the second key and destroy that. By the time they destroy the second key is when Undaluk has stepped forward. Then they kill Undaluk. So whichever direction they go, they still always have to face Undaluk. Is that railroady? I, I mean, I don't know. They still have to close the portal. The whole goal is to close the portal. It's a little railroady. You know, is there an opportunity for them to close the portal without Undaluk? I don't think so. And I don't think you would necessarily want that. I think that's okay. What do you, the fine people at home, think? Could they split the party and work on both keys? They could. That would be super dangerous. Oh, yeah, I don't think... I don't know. I think that's good enough, right? Eh, you know, good enough is important. So there's my handwritten map. You can see my handwritten thing. I combine it with my paper notes, and I stick it in my Trapper Keeper, and I'm all set for the game today. So I think we're all set for today's game. Uh, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today while we enjoyed my game prep. I hope you enjoyed this show. If you did and you want to see more stuff like this from me, the best way to do so is to subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. Every week you get an email sent to you that includes an RPG related article plus links to all of the other work I do and all of the other platforms where I do it. You can also become a patron of Sly Flourish. Uh, patrons get access to a dedicated Discord server, monthly Q&A, a whole bunch of different tools to help you run your games. Lots of great stuff you get for being a patron of Sly Flourish. And you can pick up my books, Return to the Lazy Dungeon Master, Lazy DM's Companion, Lazy DM's Workbook, Forge of Foes, and all of my other fantastic adventure books on the Sly Flourish bookstore. The links for all of that are in the show notes. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.